It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, blah, 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 blah. No matter when you listen, no matter when you watch, and I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn Properties. That's right, if you're looking to travel someplace, especially in the U.S. of A., don't stay anywhere else except for a Holiday Inn property. Hey, i give you even a better reason, a financial reason to stay there because we can save you some money. That's right. Call Billy C's toll-free Holiday, Ex- Holiday Inn Express Line, 844-603-0364, 844-603-0364. Get a discount no matter where you stay on any of the Holiday Inn properties, and uh, you can thank me later. You can thank me later. Hey, you can't remember the number? Just go to the website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Holiday Inn banner. It's right on the right-hand side. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event, which is taking place this weekend, Saturday. Um, and uh, I'm going to be ringside. And I want you to be there, too. It's an HBO event. It's the day before Mother's Day. Come on over. Say hello. Buy me a scotch. Yeah, yeah, that'll be good. And then I'll reciprocate. And buy you a scotch that you don't drink, and then I'll drink it. Yeah, yeah. Get yourself some tickets now. Oh, you want to fast track the tickets? You want to bypass the middleman? You want to get the best price available? We'll hook you up. Just click the fight poster on billycboxing.com. It'll take you right to the box office. You'll bypass all the additional charges, and you'll get the tickets for the best price available. And by the way, did I mention, did I forget to mention, should I mention that there's not a bad seat in the house at the Turning Stone Casino? Trust me. I love it. It's become my favorite venue to watch live boxing if you've never seen a live boxing event this is the perfect time go stay at a great facility watch some boxing hang out with me and all that happy stuff this weekend saturday night turning stone resort and casino uh get yourself some tickets right now and finally today's show she's a being brought to you in a part by my book tom molino from bondage to baddest men on the planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show just visit bondsandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. What? Wait, time out. You want a signed copy? I'll hook you up, man. 
Just go to my website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the book. And uh, follow the directions. The, the directions. Hey, you want more than one copy? You're my favorite pal. Just drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. My favorite pal. That sounds like a that sounds like an old parlor talk from Sal Rocky Senecola. Hey pal, how you doing, pal? We'll uh, get to that in one second. Hey, coming up a little bit later on the show, I got some outrageous comments. Made by Oscar De La Hoya. I don't know if he's back into the drugs or if he's back into wearing pantyhose again or if he's back into doing whatever he did a couple of years ago. But he's saying some ridiculous stuff. And I hope that there's nobody out there that is buying into his crap. We got all the fight results, including my favorite result, Tony Bello knocking the fraud David Hay out. We'll get to all of that. Um, we're going to start off with the big fight for the weekend. And uh, that, at least in my opinion... Uh, that was Triple G against Vanis Matarosian. It was on HBO. Um, listen, Triple G looked like he was pissed off in that fight. Now, let's 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 make sure we're realistic here. Vanis Matarosian was a last-minute sub. There's no question about it. But the guy came in shape. He's He was in good shape. Don King, not so much. But uh, Vanis Matarosian, in great shape. Um you know, uh, Triple G got caught by Martiroshian in the first round. I thought he got caught. Uh, and then, uh, well, and then uh, Triple G decided to, to fight. Um, I noticed something about Triple G that was negative. And this is actually the first time that I, I ever really have a negative thing to say about Triple G. Triple G, in my opinion, cuts the ring off like no other. He's got power in both hands. He's relentless. He can take a shot. All those things. But the one thing I noticed, and I don't know, maybe it was the opponent. Um, maybe, I, I, and I honestly never noticed it before. But the way he was delivering his punches were kind of like looping overhand. They were coming around like they were they weren't they weren't going straight. They weren't a a direct path to his target. They were kind of going up and around. Now, I know sometimes you specifically use that style punch if if you're fighting a guy that is susceptible to it, but it seemed to me and and at first I didn't even think twice about it when I saw him delivering his punches like that. But um as the fight went on, for as short as it did, it seemed like every punch he was throwing like that. You know, not a direct straight line, uh, you know, the shortest distance to his target. It was, it was, it was kind of looping. And a faster, more accurate puncher may have been able to counter him uh, in the middle of that him throwing that punch. Needless to say, uh, he uh, improved to 38-0 and 0 with the draw, 34 of his wins coming by knockout, uh, stopping uh, Vanis Martiroshian at 153 of the second round. Martiroshian drops to 36 uh, wins, four losses, and one draw. Um, joining me right now, and I'm curious to get his thoughts on my, um, on my opinion about these punches, what I noticed, is uh, Sal Rocky. Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How are you out there, pal? I don't know, man. I'm looking at a blank. I see you. I see your face, but in the shot, the camera shot I got right now, yeah. uh, it doesn't have you sitting there. Are, are you wearing, like, uh, invisible clothes or something? 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Some, now I'm concerned. Something's like, weird. Something's how's, that, weird. how's that shot? No, I don't see you at all. I, I'm uh, I'm not seeing you, Sal. Although I see you, I although I see you uh, uh, in, in another shot. I, I I'm not getting you on the uh, on the screen. I, I don't know what that is, but give me your thoughts. I have a big screen picture actually right now. I see myself in a big screen. Well, I mean, we, well, really well, well, you can play with that while you're giving me your thoughts. Did you notice? And I can't. I don't have your shot up here because I really? don't see you. Yeah. Um. But uh, but but did you notice what I'm saying? Like his punches seem looping. Well, they. I don't want to say swarming or roundhouse, for lack of a better term. They weren't uh, quite I, that. They weren't quite that. No, they bad. Quite you know what I mean? Dream like that. But I did notice they were choppy, uh, 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 coming over the top and around, and nothing to say that it was negative. For this guy, it worked, and and maybe that's how he was preparing for uh, for Canelo Alvarez. Uh, it's hard to say, but um, you know, I did notice. You know, he did get caught in the first round by Montarosian, and I think that's why he came out with that nasty streak, so to speak, in the second round. I think he said, "Hey, you know what? I'm not going to take the chance with this guy because he did get caught in the first round. I know that he did." And he came out and he wanted to close the show and uh, end the night. And uh, he he had that that uh, sneer like he was pissed. And uh, you know I think he should carry that in the ring a little more often. And uh, certainly when he had Martyrosian's back against the ropes and he was pounding him with those looping punches that were very effective. That's what I expected to see with that sneer, that nasty sneer in his face uh, against Canelo Alvarez in the first fight. And that's what I didn't see. Maybe. Yeah. You, you, uh, you, you're going in and out on me, Sal. Um, as a matter of fact, you're totally out now. But um, it, I don't know if you can hear me or not. But uh, what I need you to do, uh, I, I'll wait until uh, uh, I'm going to hang tight here for a second. But um, as far as uh, Sal's comment uh, on the... Uh, uh, on the uh, uh, looping uh, punches from um, from Triple G, I noticed it right away. And, um, you know, we're having some uh, connection issues now. It's not just uh, Sal. It's everyone, and I, and I apologize for that. But uh, we will uh, continue uh, uh, moving along uh, as, uh, as time goes on. We've uh, lost Sal altogether. Uh, so uh, we will uh, hopefully uh, uh, get back uh, on track here in a sec. Um, but uh, in any event, um, you know, I th would hope that uh, that the, the uh, mean intentions, uh, so to speak, that uh, that Sal is referring to um, was uh, um, was was something that he should definitely be doing um in the uh in the future so uh we'll have to uh see what's going on uh with that listen i want to take a short break we're having some technical difficulties here uh and uh i will uh be back uh in about two hopefully uh don't go anywhere we'll be right back check out billycboxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache oh that hurts <laughs> 
That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. I think you're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, now I think I got you, Sal. Are you there? Yeah, now I see you. <laughs> I am here, uh, Billy C. Hey, hey, I got to blame myself on that. Not myself. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to make any excuses, Sal. But, no, but, we, had, but we had, we had, yeah. The butt fact. Uh, what happened, uh, we, we, I was just telling you before we went on air that I, we got hit with this wild storm uh, up here. It was weird. I, I, I didn't have power for two days and, uh, I, they may be, and all these trees came down and stuff, and they may be working on uh, some connections because we were dropping and, and, and everything in the, and, and during the, that first little segment. I couldn't even get the commercials to play, uh, but, uh, but it seems like uh, we're back in the saddle. I want to give a shout-out to my man Joel who gave us uh, uh, a, uh, a, a super chat to kick off our uh, uh, notes. So uh, to keep, I'm sorry, to kick off our show, I'm reading his notes. Um, so, uh, that was that. So, uh, I, uh, appreciate that. So l- finish your thought about what I was saying, um, noticing, uh, Triple G throwing his punches uh, kind of with a loopy fashion, I, not like looping drastically, but somewhat yeah. loopy. What, what was your thoughts on that? Well, like I said, I, uh, you know, I don't know how much you heard earlier, but you know, I, I liked what I saw when he came out in the second round. Cause I, I agree with you. He was hurt. He, uh, not hurt. He was caught by Menoroshian in the first round. Definitely got his attention. Uh, and I think after that first round, he said, "Hey, you know what? I'm not going to take this chance tonight. I'm I'm going to go out there and and close it big." And he had what we would like to call that nasty streak. I saw the snare in his face. He wanted to get Menoroshian out right away, and he did so. And sometimes coming over with those choppy punches, you 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 get more of a you know more more of your shoulder and momentum into it and and uh i think that's what he just tried to do uh in fact when he had motoroshian on the ropes and he had that nasty snare on his face he did it in a fashion punching with authority in a fashion that i expected to see him when he had canelo alvarez on the ropes last year uh just like that and that's not the triple g i saw against uh, uh canelo alvarez but the one i saw against uh motoroshian that uh definitely closed the show and got him out there quick um i don't think that's going to be his new style uh coming over the top and swarming with those punches overhand here and there i i I think for this style for this fight and maybe when he has canelo alvarez on the ropes next time they fight if they do which i think they will uh he may tighten that up and and use it because it was effective you're coming over to your your opponent's hands and you're chopping down you're 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 throwing pulling and, and swarming with that and it's got some momentum behind it so I don't know. It worked for Triple G, and he closed the show rather early uh, in that fight. I I, I agree. I, I think that he – I think the bottom line with the Canelo fight is that he showed too much respect for Canelo. Now, yes. Martiroshian technically is a smaller guy. I mean, he, he, he generally had fought in a lower weight class. Maybe Triple G didn't respect his punching power as much. Uh, but he certainly had a granite chin. Never had been stopped prior to the fight on Saturday. So, no. um, I, I, you know, it was interesting to hear 
um, what Triple G said after the fight. But basically, you know, here we have been talking for several weeks about what we thought was going to take place with Triple G and the rest of his career. We kind of agreed that it's a couple of fights at most, you know. But that wasn't the indication that Trip, no. excuse me, Triple G made uh, at the end of the fight. Basically, he says he'll fight anybody in the middle. Bring them on. Bring them on. Line them up. Everybody. You know, I, yeah, it sounds like, you know, this is coming from a guy who has no intentions of hanging them up anytime no. soon at 36. I, unless he just was meaning... You know, he's not afraid of anybody. He won't back down. Uh, if the Canelo fight, he was also receptive of the Canelo fight. Now, Vanis Martiroshian, uh, who uh, was quoted as saying some, some <laughs> I thought, classics at the end of the fight. He says, uh, uh, you know, in the post-fight interviews, he said, this is Vanis Martiroshian. He says, I'm okay. I'm better now after the knockout. He did look like his marbles were scrambled a little bit. Uh, he says, uh, I was prepared for a different Triple G. He surprised me. What a hell of a fighter he is. Going into this fight, I wanted to see what he had. Uh, Triple G is one hell of a puncher. My ring rust showed. My timing was off. Uh, these two years off really affected me. Um, he says, Canelo's got a lot to prove. I can see why he's eating that kind of meat, trying to gain an extra edge. Uh, the man, referring to Triple G, is the real deal. 36 old and he's still fighting like that? I wanted to see what the guy had. I went inside to brawl with him. And he got me good. He says, good win for him. He was asked after that comment, if you were Canelo, what advice would you say? What would, advice would you give Canelo? And his response was a one-word answer, Sal. He said, run. <laughs> and and maybe between between that and and he That's said pleasant. yeah and between that and him saying no wonder why he's eating tainted meat, uh, you know, I think it says it all, don't you? Well, you know, I I like Monteroshian, and he he is a he is a gamer, and you know I think this two years off, uh, you know, may have uh, caught him, but uh, I think he's a class act, and to uh, to say the words he had said uh, uh, after receiving a kind of loss he did with Triple G uh, is a class act, and. Uh, I'll tell you that's 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 funny. It's uh, like Clubber Lang saying pain. You know, it, it, it was really it was really uh, good to, to hear him say that positive things about Triple G. And yeah, he got caught. He felt the power of Triple G, and Triple G was on. And that's why Billy. You know, I, I, we thought about it. Why did one? Why did Triple G go through with this fight on this fight date? You have to, in a sense. He's an older fighter. He wants to stay active. If he was going to wait another year or, or, so to speak, from September when he fought Canelo Alvarez to the following September to refight Canelo Alvarez, which looks like the most popular date to do that on the uh, next uh, uh, Mexican holiday, you know, that's a long period of time, one year for this guy. But when you go through the regiment of preparing for a fight, the mindset, the – see, fighters, they have their, they have their habits. They have their – their way that they get up for a fight, their psyche, their, their, their training regimen. They do everything that worked for them prior to where they are today. So it's a ritual, if you will. And this was just Triple G going through his ritual to keep honed in and ready for Canelo Alvarez or any other big fight that may be around the corner. So my hat's off to him. He did a good job. And uh, my hat's off also to Metaroshian because he, you know, he proved to be uh, fearless in that sense. And, uh, 
you know, he he did taste the power of Triple G. Um, just to clarify, uh, Triple G has all the belts, right, in the in the middleweight division, except for uh, Billy Joe Saunders' WBO belt. Correct. Uh, however, the IBF belt, which uh, the IBF was threatening to to strip Triple G if he didn't fight uh, Deverinchenko, um, excuse me, decided that they weren't going to strip him, but they did not put their belt on the line. So that fight actually was only for the WBC, WBA, and IBO titles. The uh, obviously the WBO, <coughs> excuse me, the WBO. Uh, title uh, isn't his, and the IBF title wasn't on the line. I want to, I want to read what really pissed me off from Oscar De La Hoya. Now, I want to start off by saying this: I was always a big fan of Oscar De La Hoya. I've been critical of his um, about face move, uh, so to speak, specifically with Canelo and his overprotecting and his copycatting of of Floyd Mayweather's path to to money, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, it's no secret about this whole situation with Canelo. It it was a headline news story for a long time in the sporting world uh, that he cheated. I mean, he used clenbuterol, uh, which is a a performance-enhancing drug. Uh, He claimed it was from tainted meat. He failed not one but two tests. Uh, you know, after it was out of his system, he passed several tests, and most recently, he passed a hair follicle test. Um, up until, dur- especially during that point, when the test results from the hair follicle test came back, I figured that was it—that he was right. I've come to learn that a hair follicle test isn't as accurate as I thought. So I've again backed off about you know uh, those performance-enhancing drugs because I just don't know enough about what is what. With, uh, with, with performance-enhancing drugs. But even so, whether it was tainted meat, which, you know, first of all, when you're such a high-profile fighter like Canelo is, and there's been accusations of other fighters uh, testing positive for clenbuterol and claiming it was the tainted uh, beef uh, in, uh, in Mexico, um, I, I would have thought that you don't want to take any chances, especially when you got a $20 million payday running on it. So that's why I, le- I tend to lean towards he knew exactly what he was doing. But as a result, Oscar De La Hoya has been pretty stupid, in my opinion, uh, about some of his comments. Let me read a, a comment, a kind of a long-winded comment from Oscar De La Hoya over this weekend concerning... Uh, Canelo and the public's perception of his uh, performance-enhancing drug usage. Uh, basically, uh, what he says is this. This is Oscar De La Hoya. He says, the last exam that Canelo was put through was a hair follicle test. Whatever they want to take Canelo through, he's going to do. This whole thing with the levels being so minute with Claren Butoval, this outrage is ridiculous that line to me is ridiculous because if you want to stay and 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 maintain it was from the beef you can't say that the fans and and public outrage over the fact that canelo such a high profile sports athlete forget about boxing um tested positive and is being assumed a cheater that is not ridiculous 
Because especially when you're talking about performance-enhancing drugs, what you're doing is you're, you're putting one fighter at risk, assuming only one cheats. So it isn't ridiculous, and it's not outrageous. It's outrageous that he's calling it ridiculous. Let me go on with his, with his comment. He said, in terms of Triple G talking so negatively about Canelo and putting him down all the time, I strongly feel, and this is very serious, I strongly feel that Triple G, uh, those last three rounds, he felt against Canelo in Vegas that the power punching that he felt against Canelo, the fact that he couldn't drop or stop or even hurt him, he knows that the rematch whenever it happens, um, alluding to the fact that he's kind of scared of Canelo. Uh, I, I don't know about anyone else. Well, I, I give Canelo, I think, I, I don't recall 100%, but I thought I gave him the 12th and final round, but certainly not the last three. Um, no. I, you know, and and maybe like Sal and I were talking about earlier, Triple G was giving Canelo a certain level of, of respect uh, in that fight, but I, I'm not so sure that he didn't hurt Canelo. And Canelo was running around. I mean, you know, um, and as far as Triple G talking negatively about Canelo, this is a guy who had never spoken an ill word about any anybody, let alone another fighter, up until Canelo tested positive for, for the clarenbuterol and it canceled his fight. I mean, I, the guy lost a, a, a huge payday. I could see why he was pissed. Anyway. He says, look, I'm fighting Canelo. This is Oscar De La Hoya's finishing up his comments. He says, I'm fighting Canelo in September, regardless of who he fights. He's fighting again in December. I want him, I want him to keep him active. Canelo wants to fight as often as possible, as long as it's not against Triple G, apparently. Uh, when it happens with Triple G or, or not, whether it happens with Triple G or not, then so be it. But Canelo is trained, and he's moving forward. Uh, he's done whatever he has to do to make sure and to tell the public because he knows for himself. He knows that he is an honest and clean fighter. He knows that, and he'll do whatever it takes. And, yes, the last thing that was done was a hair sample. And guess what? He passed it with flying colors. Um, I think that Oscar De La Hoya downplaying this whole situation is outrageous. I think that when a safety of another fighter comes into question, that you can't downplay. You got to take all precautions. It's the same thing we do with a referee who who uh, lets a fight go on too too much, or or we see a guy taking a savage beating, and we're saying, why isn't this fight being stopped? Uh, you know, it's always better to have an, a, a referee stop a fight too soon than too late. Uh, so for for Oscar De La Hoya to suggest this is a joke. And one last thing before I get your thoughts, Sal, is you know Triple G. Was never really a negative person until this, and I think that Canelo didn't help matters at all by not actually addressing anything himself. He's always had someone else read a statement. He didn't even show up for the hearing in Vegas. He went and decided to have some other surgery uh, that that was done. I mean, this is a guy that's acting like he thinks who the hell he is, and they need, that he's that he's the victim. And that is what bothers me the most. Generally, you get popped for something. We're a forgiving race here. You know, I mean, human beings are forgiving, at least in the United States. If you admit, hey, I made a mistake, we're all human, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he didn't even do that. 
he he kind of twisted it and turned the blame and and I it wasn't my fault. He wasn't held. He wasn't holding himself accountable. It wasn't my fault. It was that cheeseburger right at that Mexican restaurant? You know, it wasn't my fault. You know, oh Triple G's talking smack about me. I'm you know oh, oh, oh. you know it, it's like I complain about people not being held accountable. I think this is a great example. I've lost a lot of respect for Canelo. I've said it a lot. So what's your thoughts on on Oscar's comments and and the way they're they're kind of twisting it. You 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 kind of alluded to some thoughts you have about no matter what Triple G does, it seems like he's wrong. What, what's your thoughts on this whole picture? Well, I, I said that to you earlier uh, before we started the show. Yeah, no matter what, you're going to have a certain group or class of people or fight fans that no matter what Triple G does, which direction he turns, whatever he says, it's never going to be good enough until he loses, and then they're going to say, well, I told you he wasn't that, that special or something else. And the bottom line is if I was to be objective and really try to show empathy with coming from Canelo Alvarez and uh, De La, Oscar De La Hoya, okay, Oscar De La Hoya is going to be the advocate for, for Canelo because Canelo doesn't really want to talk up too much himself. And, you know, when you deny something – you, you don't want to be a hypocrite and say, well, you know, this is the way. So I think they need jerked. And by denying everything, they had to stay with that story. Um, you know, yes. Would it have been forthright and coming if he said something like, well, you know, I, I may have eaten the tainted meat uh, uh, or maybe I, I, I tried or I didn't know I wasn't aware. And, you know, and that's not unrealistic. What I mean by that, and I'm not trying to stand up for him. I'm just being a devil's advocate, Billy C. That's all. I'm looking at their side. You know, I told you there are some real high-profile world champions that I was privy to uh, when I was uh, uh, co-managed by Richie Giacchetti that he shared a lot with me. And, and the things I won't share, and of course not who, but there were situations where there were world champions that were getting a B12 shot in the butt every week or every month or whatever the heck and they didn't know it was Decker de Roblin from the 80s or something else they had nowhere no no known substance other than a B12 shot going in their butt and uh, you know and and you know I'm just saying that this was what was shared with me uh, Richie didn't tell me really any fighter's name or this that or anything else he just said that's what that sometimes that's the practice on some of those levels with some of those fighters hey Pinocchio so means- hey Pinocchio your nose is growing you, you got know, names. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish your story. Go ahead. You know, it is growing. That's it? the profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. How's this, Bill? Yeah, yeah. Sal, Sal, Sal saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sal saying. Sal saying. Oh, yeah. He didn't. I don't know. I don't have any names. Yeah, okay, Sal. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish. I know it all. Yeah. I know it all. But forget about it. It's not going to be public. That's um The bottom line is this. I don't. I'm not going to talk or tell a story for nothing. I'm going to forget about it. Anyway, uh, so these guys had no idea. They thought they were getting a B12 shot. So maybe Canelo could have said, hey, it was part of my training regimen. Uh, I saw a guy gave me some vitamins. I took them as a supplement. I didn't know what they were. You know, I don't know if that was saying something to come somewhat clean. Could have made up some story like that. The bottom line is I do feel in my heart of hearts he was aware of what was going on. Uh because otherwise he would have came out with a, a unknowing story other than tainted meat. The bottom line is Canelo Alvarez should try to redeem himself the best way he can. And I do see the possibility of a Triple G fight 
uh, in September, and I think that's the date that Triple G should, should definitely uh, go after. And I think I'd like to see Triple G come in the ring with that little nasty streak and that snare and try to make up for what he uh, allowed to escape from his uh, his hands the year before when he fought Canelo in September last year. So I want to see the showdown. Uh, I want to see Canelo being tested while he trains and prepares for this fight, as Triple G will be tested as well. And I want to see an even playing field, and I want to see Triple G go in that ring with the little streak of that nastiness that he displayed the other night. And I want to see some of those roundhouse punches, uh, uh, how they're going to be shared with Canelo. So I think uh, I think this fight should happen. I think the fight should happen in September. And uh, may the best man win. And if it's Canelo, we'll find out. But uh, the bottom line is I think Triple G will, will definitely uh, make a big statement if he fought Canelo Alvarez. I think I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that he definitely... Uh, has to uh, go out there with no respect. Yeah, for, that's it. Uh, he gotta, he's got to walk through him. You know, you get hit with a shot, you wade through. I don't care. Triple G, like I said the other night, he he, he showed that little nasty streak, and that's what you and I look for in, in a fighter at sometimes. Not a controlled rage, for lack of a better term, but yeah, like I'm here, I'm going to win, I'm going to show you the real me, and you're going to be tasting some real good leather. And that's it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, on the co-main event that we had a <clears throat> sleep through on HBO, uh, Cecilia Brackis uh, retained her uh, uh, bunch of titles she has to improve to thirty-three and zero with nine knockouts over Callie Reese, who wasn't a great fighter and gave. Uh, listen, I, I just want to say this: um, I was nobody was more involved in female boxing than myself. Uh, I had the luxury of working with a multi-division world champion and uh, helped her gain some world titles uh, with Chevelle Hallback. In my opinion, uh, we, we actually did fight uh, Cecilia Brackis and, and felt we won the fight, uh, but got robbed in Denmark. But uh, that's besides the point. But my, my, my overall point here is it's a bore, it was a boring fight. And Cecilia Brackis is a boring fighter. Uh, is she talented? Is she a beautiful young woman? Yes, yes, she is, both of those. Uh, is what she's done for her home country in Norway great? Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not taking anything away. She's a great champion, um, you know, positive, never gets in trouble, uh, is, is a good ambassador for, for the sport in, in a sense. You know, she's not this, you know, uh, can't speak, uh, beat up, ugly, uh, scary looking uh, uh, individual. She's, she's a very attractive woman. Uh, very smart, um, but she's a boring as hell inside the ring. I, I don't think that this fight, even though it was a historical fight as far as HBO is concerned, made any difference in the female uh, divisions. Uh, female boxing just, it, it's not, I know UFC boxing and MMA in general uh, with the females are, 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 are popular. It's popular. Not so much in, in, in boxing. It just isn't. You know, when the fight is during uh, Chevelle's time, the female fighters fought everybody. They would You would never see a back down. You would never see a, uh, some of the negotiation tactics that are used in, in men's boxing and female boxing. It, was, it wasn't there. It's there now. So you have a, 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 a it, this is all just my opinion. You have the female boxing ranks, and they're starting to pull the same stuff as the men do, and we expect it to be popular. Uh, listen, it didn't help. 
female boxing at all by putting Cecilia Brackets on. She's a bore. Her style of fighting is boring. Now, if they put on a action-packed fighter instead, maybe they they move up a couple of notches. But uh, um, I'm sorry, she uh, it wasn't it was not a captivating fight at all. Uh, hats off to her. They're talking about her either moving up to fight in a higher division, um, uh, Clarissa Shields, or uh, moving down to fight Katie Taylor. She felt more comfortable moving up, uh, but uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Clarissa Shields at least is a little more exciting than Cecilia, but uh, it is what it is. Hey, listen, I am going to take a break here, um, and hopefully we'll be able to come back uh, as normal because uh, we had uh, the issue before. But I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we got the rest of the fight results. I got some news. I got some emails. All that stuff is uh, coming up uh, uh, in uh, about two. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening. To the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. I want to apologize for uh, any technical difficulties that we're having. Uh, like I said, uh, up where my studio is, uh, we had uh, some major storms uh, pass through here. Uh, we did not have uh, power for a couple of days, and I think that uh, some of the repercussions are affecting uh, our broadcast today. And I, I just want to apologize. Um, Although, uh, getting the blank shot of your uh, studio over there, Sal, I think that was all your fault. But uh, uh, anyway. What? Do you see it now? Uh, no, I see you fine now. But it was oh, weird. I saw you. What? See, you don't know. But the uh, I get the camera feed in front of me, right? Yes. And I saw you live talking. And that's supposed to be a duplication of the actual camera. But when I switched physically to the camera, it was a blank seat. It was like it was a shot. It was <laughs> weird. It was it was hey, like man, it I froze. Hope no freaking premonition but, as far as, well, well, uh, you know, me, well, me, me, me yeah, forget about well, it. Well, listen, if it's any consolation, if God forbid something happened to you, Sal, I'm not going to broadcast an empty seat, all right? I, I wouldn't do hey, that Bill, to you. Let me tell you, Bill. I just I just thought about uh, going through uh, Magic Kingdom or or the haunted house at Disney and seeing that seat being filled by that ghost. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to I just want to uh, conclude one thing about the uh, Cecilia Brockes thing. Now now I'm not saying that she is you know uh, the greatest. Listen, let let me just say this. When I think of the sweet science, okay. I think of fighters like uh, Guillermo Rigondeau and, and uh, of course, Vasily Lomachenko and, and uh, Terrence Crawford. I mean, to me, these guys are examples of, of the sweet science. And, and the definition of sweet science is hit and not get hit, but... 
be in position to inflict damage on your opponent again, you know, why they can't hit you. When you're watching a Rigondeaux fight or a Lomachenko specifically, uh, it's exciting because these guys are, their opponents are standing in front of them and they're throwing punches and they're hitting air. And meanwhile, they're getting tattooed, right? Um, now, credit for him to, to change the perception of the sweet science Floyd Mayweather, on the other hand, is an example of what I do not refer to as the sweet science. Now, before you jump all over me, I'm not suggesting that Floyd wasn't talented and he wasn't exceptional defensively because he was. But what he would do is he would throw a punch, avoid being hit, but physically maneuver himself out of harm's way. Now, his opponent couldn't hit him, but he couldn't hit his opponent either because he's at the other end of the ring. To me, that's not the sweet science. Other examples, aside from Floyd, uh, are Slandy Lara. Now, at times, Lara is a guy that did exchange, but for the most part, he was similar to, to Floyd. Another, which I'm not putting the, you know, this guy in Floyd's uh, category, but Ishii Smith is another good example of a fighter that's still fighting today who's always crying that he lost, nobody could hit me, blah, 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 but he doesn't hit anyone else. Cecilia Brackus, to me, is similar to that. Yes, she's elusive defensively, and she boxes a little bit, but she doesn't do anything super great, although she's undefeated, and she's considered the Floyd Mayweather of the female ranks. So um, I'm just saying, you know, if, if HBO, Sal, really wanted to help publicize and, and popularize the uh, female boxing divisions, then I think their first broadcast of a female boxing bout should have consisted of two, you know, fan-friendly female fighters. Wow, that's a, that's a tongue twist. Fan-friendly female fighters. Um, you know, I, I think if they would have went that route instead of, you know, a cautious fighter. And by the way, Callie Reese was a fighter known for not throwing enough punches. You know, so going into it, we're lucky that she did throw punches to make it somewhat close, but she was known not to let her hands go, and she didn't have a stellar record either. So I don't know, man. What's, what's your thoughts? I saw highlights of it, and, and I'll tell you, I, uh, I, I liked what I saw from the highlights that I saw, and maybe that's why, because they did the clips. And, you know, I think it was HBO's very first time that they actually showed a uh, female boxing match and you know my my uh, hats off to them i i think it was enough to get me to want to watch another female fight in a sense and um you know i i i cannot say i saw actually enough of that fight to uh comment on it one way or the other but uh uh i think that the the the, the fight it looked like uh, there was some moments there when they did exchange as i said i saw the highlights it, it looked good on that level and, uh, you know, uh, we'll have to see if they want to try again with maybe somewhat of a different style of, of fighters on there. Um, and I, I'd like to see see uh, see this whole fight in its entirety. And I'll, I'll comment more on it if I can. No, but I'm, I'm just saying, don't you think that they should have um, don't you think they should have picked? more fan friendly i mean there was there was no action really in that fight maybe from a technical point of view it was interesting but if you're trying to get recognition for female fighting pick pick a couple of boom boom mancini and uh, Vinny paz style fighters you know 
Yes, and, and, and maybe they'll try that next time and see how it goes. But yeah, I think, you know, if they were looking for maybe a, a, a tactician, hey, look at it from this side, uh, this point of view too. These guys are are uh, the suits that make these decisions, make these calls, and and do things, and you know, not necessarily the boxing people that that uh, that uh, you would find uh, uh, making some other calls. Uh, and maybe they thought that this would be a nice way to showcase uh, uh, a fight that might not result in being as brutal as it could be, uh, just to give people a little taste of what what it's all about. And and then. I mean, if that was the goal, then it did just that. Uh, if they wanted to have somebody uh, come in a little bit more combatant style and uh, showcase, uh, you know, what what the end result would be if a knockout occurs or this that, it would have gotten two punchers and and they could have showcased it there. But uh, you know, as you suggested, you know, they had an undefeated fighter. Then why not give the just due? of the efforts and uh let's let's uh see so i i can't criticize because i didn't see enough of the fight but uh you know we'll see if they repeat it and maybe they will uh uh showcase a another female fight that uh, might be a little more more competitive or action-packed and you know we'll, we'll definitely judge it from then um an interesting decision that was made uh by Bracus was that uh they had the option to go with the smaller glove, the eight ounce glove, which, uh, you know, has been known to cause a little more damage to uh, fighters and, you know, uh, pack a, a, a more powerful punch because, you know, it's closer to, to your to your knuckles, to your hands. She chose not to. And she chose not to because she didn't want to get damage inflicted on her. Uh, now, granted, she's beautiful. I mean, uh, I don't blame her for that. But the mentality is the point that I'm looking at. You know, if if you're going to... Boxing is a hurt sport. Nobody forces you to become a fighter. You know, but when you do make that decision, I think you, you owe it to the sport to fight. You know, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess Callie Reese wanted the smaller gloves. Brackus didn't. The end result was a 10-round. And that's another thing. The championship fight, 10 rounds. They don't let the women go 12 and they don't let them go three minutes. That was another thing that, that bothered me. And every female fighter I ever asked about the two-minute versus three-minute all wanted to fight three-minute rounds. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Moving on, uh, in the happiest result of the weekend for me. Uh, <laughs> for you, was, I know that. Not was, for Mr. Harry. No, but for uh, for uh, for for Tony Bellew, uh, you know, I wish I had his address. I'd, I'd send him a bottle of scotch. Uh, improved to 30 wins, two losses, and a draw with 20 knockouts. Picking up his 20th knockout when he knocked out David the Fraud Hay a second time. David Hay drops to 28 and 4 with 26 knockouts. Um, listen, David Hay, I've said this all along. I don't know why. Uh, the Brits love this guy so much. Maybe he's a good personality in terms of uh, outside the ring, whatever. People want to see him do well, but he's a fraud. This guy is successful in manipulation, and he's been able to manipulate big paydays and get people to pay. He's never really demonstrated anything but bicycle wheels. This guy ran from Nikolai Valuev and got the win. He ran after following and calling out Klitschko for several years. Klitschko would go to the mall 
and David Hay would pop up. Klitschko would take a dump in the bathroom, and all of a sudden, David Hay is in the window. You know, I want to fight you, I want to fight you. You know, finally, Klitschko fights the guy, and David Hay runs for 12 rounds, and then puts his foot up on the... Listen, I just couldn't... I just couldn't respect him. But I got to be honest. I picked him. If you guys remember on Friday, I picked Tony Bellow to win again. But I threw in there, you know, listen, I'm not going to, you know, I can't stand David Hay. I'm going against him. But I got to be 100% honest. You know, my nose isn't growing like Sal's was a few minutes ago, okay? (laughs) I'm being totally honest. I did not think that Tony Bellow was going to win this fight. I, I mean, I picked him. I did. But, uh, but I thought that David Hay was going to muster up another victory and get himself in the, in the mix again. And thank God it failed. Uh, and Tony Bello not only beat him, but knocked him out again. Dropped him twice in the third round. Uh, dropped him, uh, beat him up in the fourth round. Uh, David Hay acted like he injured his leg uh, in the fourth round. And then in the fifth round, he got dropped again. And then they uh, stopped the count. Uh, they He beat the count, and then they stopped the fight. At the end of the fight, uh, Tony Bellu said, it's been a great journey. Who's next? I don't know. Uh, I'm a walking super series. Every fight I'm in is a super series. I need a mega star to fight. Uh, sounds like he's trying to book himself a fight against, uh, you know, either Anthony Joshua or uh, Deontay Wilder. I don't know. He's much too small for either one of those guys. David Hay at least... At this point, said Bellu fought a very good fight. I didn't. Uh, Tony was the better man. I couldn't uh, quite make it happen. I hope he maintains that, uh, those accolades for, for Tony Bellu. I hope he doesn't come out today. He might have already saying, oh, by the way, I don't want to make an excuse, but uh, I twisted my ankle. I hurt my leg. I want a third fight. I, I, listen, it's over for David Hay. Sal, you watched the fight. What were your thoughts? Well, it's funny because I – looked at it as objectively as I could and I actually gave the first two rounds by slight margin to David Hay and until he was dropped in the third round you know I think that was the beginning of the end and uh, you know I, I also said to myself during the first couple of rounds I said, these are what's representing some of the majority of world class fighters in a heavyweight division and I, I didn't really quite see that and I thought David Hay looked like he was leading with his chin he was crotched over a little bit with his hands down and and uh, you know it just didn't look like um uh, it, it wasn't what i expected to see but uh hey, neither here or there uh you know definitely tony bello did a uh, good job getting him out when he had him hurt and um and david hey to his credit was a class act in in giving accolades to uh to tony bello so you know what's next for each fighter as you suggested hey tony bello wants to uh Climbing the ladder, climbing the ranks. Maybe he should go in against Tyson Fury or somebody else. Who knows? And uh, I don't think he would have much success. And I shouldn't say this. I don't mean it in a negative way towards his style or towards his fight. But I just do not see him uh, uh, getting in the ring with a with a uh, uh, Anthony Joshua or even Deontay Wilder. Um, I think that would be a short night. Yeah, too small. I, I mean, listen. You know, the heavyweight division right now, although I, I just I, I want to make myself uh, perfectly clear that I don't believe in a super heavyweight division. I don't. OK, I know the amateurs have it as far as the pros. I like the rule 200 pounds and above. However, maybe I'm wrong. 
And the reason I say this is because, you know, David Hay and Tony Bello are generally small heavyweights. And you get a guy like Tony Bello, and the, and the argument here as well, they can move around quicker, they're more ag- agile. Uh, when you're looking at these big guys, you know, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, the top two, um, in that order. Um, you know, these guys are athletic. <laughs> you like that, right, Sal? Um, they, these guys are athletic. And, and you know, I'm, I'm critical of, of Deontay Wilder um, when it comes to, you know, his footwork and stuff in the ring. But let's make no mistake, he's an athletic guy. I mean, I think that uh, Deontay Wilder would, would be a better basketball player because of his height and his build than he is a fighter. But then again, he's 40 and all. So, uh, uh, but, but neither one of these guys, and assuming that Tony Bello is the only guy with the opportunity to move forward, would stand a chance against the size of guys like AJ and Deontay and and even the other uh, mix of guys. I mean, the only one that, you know, you look at the smaller heavyweight like Alexander Povetkin, maybe him. I I mean, I don't know, but uh, whatever. Also on that card, um, uh, well, go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm cracking up. I have this this smile on my face uh, from a little earlier, like the cat who ate the canary, because I don't know if you could hear, but as soon as we started talking about the fight with David Bello and I mean uh, David Hay and uh, Tony Bello, uh, I started hearing chirping birds in the background singing. I, I think it's either coming from your living room or my my porch. <laughs> well, I'm not in my living. Did you hear the birds? I'm not. You I'm hear not, the birds? It, I'm not in my. I'm not in the living room, so I, it's no, got to be. I, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, your and, studio, your studio, and, and, your studio, and, and, and my you, studio, and you. I got, I got, I got my studio, and and adjacent to it is is my 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 deck and uh, in my studio, and uh, I hear birds. I hear birds, and they're chirping. You, I'm glad you can't pick them up, but they're hey. chirping. You can tell that your studio is your living room. <laughs> you can, I'm, a, I'm in a real studio here, you know. I know but, you're in a real studio. But, <laughs> but, I'm but working oca- on mine. Occasionally, occasionally we <laughs> got some birds. building. I do have, I do have a, a, a big picture window here that I can see out. And uh, that was a day I was doing a live show, and I'm, I'm, I, all of a sudden I look out the window because Sal was talking and I wasn't paying attention. And I looked out the window, and a bear was walking, I swear to God, I went, oh my God, like this bear was, you know, 20 feet from my window looking for some picnic baskets, you know, I was like, there's a bear out in my lawn, you know, but uh, uh, anyway, um, also on that card, um, uh, unbeaten bantamweight, uh, Manuel Rodriguez uh, picked up the uh, IBF uh, world bantamweight title with a unanimous decision uh, over Paul Butler, uh, Butler hit the deck uh, twice in the first round, um uh but uh but uh, didn't do anything uh, any anything exciting not that you would look at Paul Butler getting uh dropped twice uh as exciting but it was exciting for Rodriguez Rodriguez went on to dominate the fight 118 108 uh 120 twice uh picking up the title now in case y'all forgot on Friday's show um Paul Butler uh was uh uh, not eligible to win the vacant title because he came in overweight. Uh, so congratulations to Rodriguez. Uh, I think we both picked him. Uh, and also, I, I just the only reason why I mentioned was on the undercard in the heavyweight division, Joe Joyce improved to 4-0 with four knockouts when he beat uh, Lenroy Thomas. Lenroy, Lenroy is a guy I know. Uh, he's like a friend of mine. Uh, he's out of Florida and uh, uh, worked with one of my trainers for a little bit. Uh, he got knocked out. Um, 
and uh, the fight was uh, was stopped. So congratulations to Joe Joyce. A lot of uh, uh, fanfare over on the other side of the pond uh, concerning Joe Joyce. So uh, keep an eye on him. Four no four knockout uh, heavyweight uh, in a. Uh, exhibition fight now we were talking about this on friday how strict the japanese commission is which i love um they would not approve a fight between uh uh, uh wanjong cam uh who's a former uh, uh world champion who beat koki kamada uh and kamada uh, retired too but not as long out and they wanted to have a fight and the japanese boxing commission would not approve it so they had the fight anyway, uh, but it was considered a six-round exhibition fight. And Koki Kamada uh, took care of his uh, old and very aged quickly uh, conqueror in Wanjong Cam uh, as the fight was uh, stopped at 12 seconds of round numero dos, second round. Uh, so uh, just goes to show you uh, that the Japanese Boxing Commission, Sal, uh, knew a thing or two by uh, saying, no way are we going to let this fight happen. But uh, the fans wanted to see it. It sold it. And they did what should have taken place in the state of Nevada when Floyd Mayweather fought Conor McGregor. It should have been an exhibition. Everyone would have got their money. Everybody would have watched it who cared about it. Everybody would have succeeded in what they wanted, except it wouldn't have been an official fight. Just like the Japanese Boxing Commission made this an exhibition, that's what should have happened with uh, uh, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. At least that's my thought, Sal. Well, it was my thought, too. And, uh, you know, hey, let's let's look at what the Japanese Commission has done. And uh, I'm still waiting for you to tell me who come out of retirement. What's that? Who come out of? Tell me who come out of retirement. Koki. No, <laughs> they both. <laughs> I'm doing they, a who's I know. I know. Body. They both did. Come out of retirement. Um, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I, I'm sorry. Bill. You don't. You don't I have to. You don't have to highlight the punchline with me. All right. I got it. Sometimes I. I just want it to go away. But you. You know. You got to bring it up. But um, Ryan uh, Garcia improved to 15-0 with 13 knockouts on Friday night uh, when he uh, uh, beat um, Jason Veliz. Uh, at the uh, StubHub Center. Uh, this was a huge test for uh, uh, Garcia. Um, I love this kid. I, he still stands up too much, but Valise was a real was a real uh, test for him. Jason Valise, a former world title challenger, uh, was no joke. He drops to twenty six and five. Um, you know, I, I thought it was an ex- exciting fight, and it, it, it's a good learning experience for Ryan Garcia. I think more fighters should be tested early on like Ryan Garcia has been. He's been uh, tested a couple of times now. Specifically, his last three fights have all been against decent opposition. And I think that it just will uh, prove that he's uh, going to get better and better by doing this. This was a huge test for him. Quite honestly, I'm saying to myself, wow, they must have a lot of faith in uh, uh, Garcia to put him in with Valise. But uh, what was your thoughts on the fight? My, my, I share the same as you. I said, wow, Feliz has twice as many fights as Garcia, uh, twice as many rounds and experience. And, and, you know, he has a good winning record, a solid record. And I think it was a, I think he was 26 and four at the time. Maybe not that dangerous of a puncher, maybe only 10 knockouts, but still, you know, this was a great test for Garcia because he had to go the distance. And, uh, I think that, uh, uh, Vez was, was in the fight. 
Um, he he caught uh, Garcia a few times. Uh, so for an overall step up on level of competition and graduation to the next level, ideal fight for Garcia. Uh, he passed the test. He rose to the occasion. And he definitely uh, won and uh, did a good job in doing so. And this gave him a world of experience to go 10 rounds with a seasoned veteran like Vales. That's That was a great fight for him. Hey, listen, we're going to take a uh, short break. It's going to be our final break of the show. Uh, apologize for some of the technical difficulties we had at the beginning of the show. But, hey, everything's going good now. We'll be back uh, in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. morning. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget, if you're watching uh, on a stream or whatever, just don't forget that our same version that we load up to the uh, television networks is up on YouTube. Uh, so if you want to see the full-blown version of this show, uh, including uh, Sal's mug uh, and, uh, unfortunately, all the commercials, then uh, you got to go to our YouTube feed. And, and a programming note, we are not doing a live show tomorrow. Um, and I also have a, uh, uh, a, uh, a question for you guys. Um, we're considering doing the show three times a week instead of five. What's your thoughts? Drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. How many emails do you think we're going to get on that one, Sal? I think we'll get a few. And uh, I could share my comments, too. But I think we'll get a few emails with that. And I think we'll get uh, some fans that uh, might give some suggestions with uh, they feel might be a good, good segue for three days a week. Otherwise... We'll have the fans that want us on five days a week. And uh, so uh, I think we'll have to look at that. And you're going to make that call, pal. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, Some other fights I just wanted to talk about real quick before we uh, get into uh, some other stuff real uh, quickly is uh, the co-main event uh, on the Ryan Garcia fight uh, had uh, Gary Spike O'Sullivan. This whole Gary Spike O'Sullivan scenario is confusing because Gary Spike O'Sullivan yes. was the co-main event for Ryan Garcia, 19-year-old, right? And mm-hmm. Gary Spike O'Sullivan had appeared on HBO in his previous fight. Now, keep in mind that he is uh, promoted by Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions, and that's who the promoter of this fight was. Uh, and Gary Spike O'Sullivan was put in with Berlin Abreu, uh, who lost his second time. Abreu was 14-1 going into this fight. And... Uh, uh, you know, Gary Spike O'Sullivan knocked him out uh, in uh, three rounds to improve to 28 and two with 20 knockouts. Uh, like I said, Abreu uh, dropped to 14 and two. My question to you, Sal: um, Does it make any sense at all 
that Gary Spike O'Sullivan turned down the opportunity to fight as a main event on HBO against Triple G. And even though it wasn't going to be a boatload of cash, it certainly had to be more than what he uh, got paid to fight on ESPN as a co-main event against Berlin Abreu. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, when I saw him. And I, I said, wow, how did he let the opportunity to fight for several championships, but against Triple G, where it was going to be showcased worldwide, like this was one, yeah, but you don't turn down a title fight. You get an opportunity. You rise the occasion, you do your best, and you make it happen. If you can win, you win. Uh, and you know what? If you don't win, you, you stay in the top. You're in the public's eye, and you'll be talked about, and you do what you got to do to get back in the ring against, again against the champion. Uh, I, I found it very uh, – I, I, I still don't know because I, I, I think, hey, that phone rings. I have a shot against Triple G. I'm going back in the gym. I'm fighting. Uh, it doesn't matter. So for him to turn that down and show up in the ring with a, a, another opponent lesser than a Triple G uh, for a non-title, uh, I, I was a little surprised. Yeah, well, I mean... Uh, he should have taken that title shot. I didn't know why he did not. Uh, I, I don't think it would have ended with him coming out as, as a victory. But, uh, you know, hey, he could have looked respectable, could have been uh, definitely thrown out there. And... Uh, I don't know. That's hindsight, and we know how hindsight works, so forget about it. Um, as uh, we've been doing, uh, our new little uh, treat that we try to do on Mondays is we give you a heavyweight uh, roundup of all the other heavyweight fights that took place over the weekend so that we can familiarize ourselves with some of these heavyweights that, you know, come in out of nowhere fighting uh, our so-called champions. So, um, And it's been working out pretty well because – uh, it definitely gets to see, we, we definitely get to see some of these young heavyweights on the way up and get to gauge these guys uh, based on who they fight. And uh, these first uh, two fights that took place on Saturday out of Canada uh, are two guys that I'm sure we're going to be seeing in the ring soon based on the number of fights that they've had. Uh, Dylan Carman uh, improved to 13-3 and when he knocked out Carlos Caron uh, in the fifth round of a scheduled six-round fight uh, in uh, New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, Carry-on uh, drops to 7-5. and five. Chris Norad improved to 16-0 and 0 when he got a uh, knockout in the sixth and final round over Hugo Lamelli, who uh, dropped to 20 wins, 13 losses, and a draw. In Germany, Brandenburg, Germany to be exact, Dujar L. Schaik improved to 5-0 and 0 when he stopped Amir Ben Saeed, uh, in the very first round of a four, scheduled four-rounder, Saeed was uh, uh, making his pro debut. He's now 0-1. Uh, in the uh, U.K., in West in Birmingham, West Midlands, Adam Williams improved to 2-5 and five when he won a four-round uh, decision over Nathan Stevens, who drops to 0-2-1. I love, you know, not that these guys are ever going to be world champions or something, but I love it. When you go to a fight card and you're, you're at a club show and you see two guys that are fighting basically for their careers, they may have upside down records or whatever, but they're in against each other. So you know that it's it's a fair fight. A lot of times you'll see a guy one in five going up against a 12 and 0 guy. You know he doesn't have a chance in hell. But you see a, a going into this fight 
uh, Williams was one and five, and Nathan Stevens was o one and one. You know, the the winner gets to move on. The loser mm, maybe thinks about uh, selling cars or something like that. Uh, out of uh, Foxwoods in Connecticut, uh, Bakahirdar Jagalov improved to one and zero, making his pro debut when he stopped uh, Hugo Trujillo. Uh, in the third of a scheduled six-round fight. Trujillo was undefeated going into this fight. He's now 4-1-1. and one. In Poland, uh, Marcin Rakowski improved to 19-5 and five when he knocked out Andreas Kazimar in the fifth round of a scheduled eight-round fight. Kazimar drops to 18 wins, 20 losses, and two draws. Now, Friday, there were a couple of fights as well uh, at the uh, uh, in the U.K., David Allen. Uh, improved to 13 wins, three losses, and two draws uh, when he stopped uh, David Howie uh, it, in the fourth round of a scheduled four-round fight. Howie drops to 14-9. Uh, and, and in Reno, Nevada, on Friday night, Frank Sanchez improved to 6-0, and o, actually uh, maintained a 6-0 and o, uh, record, uh, and Lamont Capers maintained a 9-12-4 record. Uh, because the fight was declared a no contest. Lamont Capers um, got pushed out of the ring by Frank Sanchez, couldn't continue, and uh, the fight was ruled a no contest. So that's what happened in the heavyweight division. I'm, I'm really liking following these obscure heavyweight fights, Sal. What about you? Well, yeah, me too. And you know what? We'll see some of these rise to the occasion. And, and sure, uh, well enough that, you know what? We'll see one of them or two of them or several of them that you're mentioning now early in their career. Uh, over next year or two, become a contender. So uh, maybe fight for the title. So, no, I think it, it's it's very good and uh, gives gives us a chance to showcase some good young talent or some people that uh, you otherwise would not hear too much about. Right. I, you know the 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 thing is is you know what prompted me to start doing this was pretty simple. I, I uh, you know I I got sick of seeing these names that all of a sudden popped up. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, they're fighting for a title. And we're like, where'd this guy come from? You know, he's 25 and oh, he's from some place I never even heard of, can't even pronounce, can't even pronounce his name. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, he's a number one contender. Who is he? You know, well, this is going to keep us on track for that. So Absolutely, Bill. I think it's ingenious. So my hat's off to you. Pal. Ingenious. Oh, there's that nose growing ingenious. again. There's that nose. There's no, but, hey, but, but, there's no Pinocchio with that. Yeah, I, yeah. Think I think it's great. It makes a lot of sense. It's common sense. And, hey. I congratulate you for I, implementing it on the show. To, so... Yeah. Okay, Good stop, job. stop, stop. I hope you're wearing hip waders in in, in, in your uh, studio. But uh, anyway, let's get some emails out the way. Uh, first one's from my man, Joel. I want to thank Joel. He's the only one that gave us a super chat today to kick off our uh, Monday morning. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Billy C., if Triple G and Canelo could not come to terms for the rematch in September, who would you guys like to see Triple G fight? Um, I'm wondering if Joel is watching our shows, Sal, because I've said this a million times. Uh, I, I hope that he doesn't fight Canelo. And I, if I'm Triple G's team, I would 100% pursue Billy Joe Saunders. And then I would call it a day. Contrary to what uh, Triple G was saying Saturday night, he wants to fight everybody. Uh, but uh, but I, me personally, I want to see him fight uh, Billy Joe Saunders. I say forget about Canelo. I think Canelo, listen, not only myself, I've lost a lot of respect, but I think a lot of people have. Sal, uh, who would you like no, to see? No, I, I tell you, I'll tell you what, Bill. You, what you just said, you know, I, I am very fortunate enough. Like I said, I have a lot of fight fans at, at the restaurant. I mean, whether whether they were uh, uh, brought into the fold with uh, some of the 
promotions that you and I have run out of the restaurant and uh, some of the fights that we've held there and some of the celebrity fighters that do come down there. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting, but also to hear some of the comments, uh, about how some of these people felt about Canelo Alvarez afterwards and what they had to say. And I, I do want to see this fight. I do want to see it even more so now. And, uh, I'll tell you why, because I really feel in my heart of hearts, I gave triple G the victory against Canelo Alvarez the first time out. And I would like to see it done so again in a signature statement. Uh, And I'd like to see Triple G and Canelo Alvarez fight again. And let there be no doubt beyond a shadow of a doubt that uh, who I think is going to win would be Triple G. And then I would like to see Triple G, although he's ready for anybody. He said he'll fight everybody and anybody. He wants to keep that that, that faith and that that, uh, momentum alive. yeah, I think uh, uh, a, a nice um, fight against, uh, not nice, a good competitive fight against Billy Joe Saunders, I think would be a statement to the world, hey, guess what, I'm going for the last belt available, and uh, let's see what happens. And Billy Joe Saunders is not going to be a layover, I'm telling you this. It's going to be a competitive, tough fight for Bill, uh, for Triple G and for Billy Joe Saunders, and may the best man win. But if I could outline the rest of this year for Triple G, I'd say fight Canelo, in September, uh, you get past Canelo. Then before the end of the year, fight Billy Joe Saunders. And uh, there you go. You'll have your three fights for the year, and you'll retire undefeated with uh, all the belts, if that's a tailor-made program for Triple G. Uh, next email is from a man, Coach. And he says, uh, hey, Billy C., good fight this weekend, but wasn't sure if you saw this. And he had sent me a, a link to uh, – uh, an article and a video of Javante Davis uh, breaking up a fight that was taking place outside outside of a strip club. And then uh, Coach says, uh, funny how the hype goes pushing the point that Javante Davis broke up a fight while almost uh, overlooking the point that a world champion is hanging out at a strip club late at night uh, to begin with. He says it's a recipe for disaster. What's your guys' thoughts? I agree with Coach 100%. You know, the, 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 the fact that, you know, some of these guys, and not just fighters, but, you know, any type of high-profile uh, athlete, and Javante Davis is certainly a guy that uh, wants to be uh, a big name in the sport. The biggest and fastest uh, road to that success is to keep your nose clean. And to keep your nose clean, avoid putting yourself in situations that bad things could happen. And whether you like strip clubs or not, good things usually don't happen at strip clubs. Uh, what's your thoughts on this, Sal? Hey, hey, you know, I can't say. He could have been walking past going to the club next door or a restaurant. I don't know if he was going in the strip club or whatever, but he just happened to be a citizen and saw a fight. And he wanted to say, hey, let me step in here and stop it. So I don't know if he was at the strip club or if he was going to the strip club. He could have been walking past the restaurant next door. I don't know, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, right. He was just passing by, just passing just by, passing by, just passing by. George. No, I, I, I know what you're saying, and uh, no, you know, like I said, you got a few short years. You're an athlete. You're a world class athlete. You're a champion athlete. You're, you're all that 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 people look up to on a certain level, a certain sport, and you try to do what's good for the sport as a representation and also for your life to to stay out of uh, harm's way and and 
and some stuff that you don't need in your life. And, you know, who knows? You know, there, there's been situations where, when good Samaritans have tried to break up fights and they get cracked in the head with a bottle or they get this or they get stabbed or they have this. I mean, there's so many things that can happen. So how do you avoid all those potential things happening? You get you. What do I always say, Bill? You put your hand in the fire, you might get burned. So you don't put your hand near the fire. Exactly. No, I, 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. One last and email. And it's just for a few short years, guys. One last email. This one's from my man uh, Chip, which is more commonly known as Mitch. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Billy C., I'm going to swallow my pride and give you your due. Billy C.'s. Billy C. Stradamus uh, has struck again. He says, three things that you've been mentioning in the past really resonated with me over the weekend. He says, number one, yes, Billy C., Jim Lampley has slipped beyond repair, and the entire HBO crew needs to be overhauled. They were awful and have been for some time. Even the guy Nelson, he's talking about Peter Nelson, who was, uh, who was the one of the primary HBO decision makers, has to go. Max Kellerman and his Andre Ward fan crush and all-time great comparisons are killing me. Despite how much Larry Hazard doesn't care for him, I'll take Max Kellerman. I'll take 10 Max Kellermans over one Mario Ronaldo. First of all, before I move on to the second one, I've been saying this for a long time. Jim Lampley, you know, I love the guy. He's done so much for the sport. Uh, I've gotten to meet him many times. Um, he's he's done i mean you know he he can't he, he's he's reliant too much on the punch stats and and he you know some of his comments don't come out until the punch stats are there uh roy jones jr you know great pound for pound all-time great fighter terrible announcer he's always talking about himself i can't stand it anymore you know I, oh well if that was a low blow that look, Max Kellerman is trying to convince everybody before the replay that Triple G knocked out uh, Vanis Monteroshian with a illegal punch that he was already on the ground. Yeah, I, and I didn't like that. I didn't that like it true. because it happened so quick. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, he was on his way down. And what, yes. what's he supposed to do? A guy puts his butt on the rope and you're supposed to back off him? What if the no, referee didn't call it? No, you got the momentum. You get caught in the moment. And, you know, it, it was not intentional. It played out. And no way could they have really disqualified him for that, in a sense. And uh, and then Roy Jones Jr. is saying, actually saying, and I, I was a little surprised, but he actually said, if that was me in the ring, I would have been disqualified. But he, he didn't say me. He said if that was Roy Jones Jr. in the ring, I would have been disqualified. Roy Jones would have been disqualified. Yeah, that's what he kept saying. It's always him. It's he's, He acts like he never got any benefits of the doubt. He's terrible. The best one of the, of the group, I think, is Harold Letterman. And Harold has told me many times that he thinks Jim Lampley is the best. So, uh, But but I do agree with uh, my man Mitch that uh, – I'll take those. I'll, I'll I'll live with those guys forever um, over Ronaldo. Ronaldo is terrible. Anyway, he says, if HBO doesn't get Anthony Joshua, I'm not sure where they're going to go. They're in bad shape right now, and the future doesn't look good. Um, I agree. They're putting, you know, less than stellar fights on. The one I'm supposed to be ringside for this weekend, uh, Saddam Ali, no disrespect, but, you know, HBO, Saddam Ali, HBO, you know, uh, the, the co-main event, I mean, this is this, – this was like a maybe HBO After Dark, but but an ESPN type card for for me. Um, you know, I, putting listen, making a historical 
um, you know, uh, fight with, with first women's fight being on HBO. I love that. I just think that they should have picked a more exciting duo of fighters. You know, Cecilia Bracus is not known for knocking anybody out. She's only got nine knockouts. Uh, she's a tactician, but that's not exciting to watch. Uh, if you like to watch that, then you like Floyd Mayweather. I, I don't like fights that are, are, are like that. Okay, now, now, before anybody tells me about uh, Willie Pep winning a round without throwing a punch— if, if if an opponent is throwing punches at you for three minutes and they can't land a punch and, and literally did not land one punch and you didn't throw a punch, my question would be, how do you score the round? Do you score the round for a guy who avoided all those punches or do you score the round for the guy trying to land the punches? Aggressiveness, you know. I don't know. In that Willie Pep story the myth the, uh, that 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 legend um you know I, listen i love defensive fighters don't get me wrong but i like excitement i like a defensive fighter like vasily lomachenko you can't hit him but he's pounding the hell out of you uh guillermo rigandel like i mentioned earlier terence crawford is another great example you can't hit him he's very careful but yet he's got the mean streak and he engaged you got to engage that's all i you know that's my thoughts i i mean uh, what's your thoughts real quick sal well, you got to engage, huh? of course. I mean, you know, if you could be hit, you could be in position to hit and uh, vice versa. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a sweet science. I mean, even uh, as much as uh, Roberto Duran, I mean, that's what I used to love about him. He didn't get credit for some of the uh, moves he had inside while he was battering his opponents. He was slipping some punches, too. And that's how you, you definitely exchange and, you know, you, you, you definitely dish it out. You slip the punches and block the punches and you, you try and exchange. You're in the pocket and, uh, you know, it, there, there's different variations. But the truth of the matter is, hey, you know, boxing, boxing is, is an action-packed sport. Uh, the last comment that uh, uh, Mitch has is uh, he says, Lastly, please tell me to stop fording. Uh, please tell them. HBO to stop force feeding us women's boxing. It doesn't sell. There's no market for it. And I get the feeling some agenda driven group or person is being done a favor. If Ann Wolf and Layla Ali fought, it would have gained attention for a second, but then it would have faded to where it is today. I was at the StubHub Center and thank God it was only 8 p.m. in the West, out West. I never would have stayed awake to see the Triple G fight. Uh, if I had been home on the East Coast, leave the women on non-televised cards or as part of all female cards. There's no more historical events in women's boxing, please. I couldn't agree with Mitch more. And I also like his uh, analogy of Ann Wolf against Layla Ali. Now, that would have been, you know, an exciting fight to watch on HBO. No question. Christy Martin. When Christy Martin used to fight uh, on the pay-per-views, it was exciting. You got to see her fight. You got to see, you know, that action. You know, she was an exciting it's fighter. Action packed fight. Right. She brought so, the fight. She uh, got in a pocket. But, but I'm just game. saying. I've seen some of her fights. I know. Yeah. But I'm just saying, Sal. You know, yeah. if you want to make a historical statement, put a, a memorable fight on. Nobody's going to remember that fight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and, uh, and, and don't get me wrong. I am not taking anything away from Cecilia Brackett. I'm not. 
She's she's the best female fighter pound for pound in the sport today. There's no question about it. But she's just a boring fighter. I'm sorry, she's boring. And to put her on uh, HBO as a co-main event was a mistake. Was a mistake. And I agree with Mitch here 100%. What's your thoughts? Like I said, I think that that uh, HBO was trying to do something, and maybe it maybe they could have selected two different uh, female fighters or another venue as far as uh, showcasing a, a good female fight, a, a true 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 one that's going to be very competitive. Maybe it was their matchmaking. Maybe it was just whatever. And uh, I think they'll try and do it again. Uh, and maybe they'll have, give us a little more action-packed fight uh, between two female fighters in the future. Well, you know what? Listen, if they wanted to make an impact and gain some interest for female uh, boxing, they needed to put a captivating fight on there. Um, this was not a captivating fight. It was a chess match. And maybe people are into that. But I think the masses of people are into exciting fights. That's why if you look at who is leading the pack today in the sport of boxing in terms of fan uh, recognition and excitement levels, et cetera, et cetera, are all exciting fighters. You know, I always use Floyd as an example. Floyd leads the pack as a moneymaker. He leads the pack in pay-per-views. He leads the pack in all those things. But just close your eyes and think of a memorable fight from Floyd Mayweather. None, no, you'll you're fall asleep trying to think. You, you think of these other fighters, Triple G. You could th immediately think of Saturday's fight. Mike Tyson, Sonny Liston, you know, George Foreman, Joe Frazier. Burrow Duran. Uh, Duran I mean, Leonard, Jack Dempsey, Act. all, the, all these mean, fighters. We can list a plethora uh, of fighters because yeah. that's the impressions they left because they were in great fights, competitive fights. They were not only competitive, they were in action-packed fights. And action. trust me when I tell you, there's a lot of action-packed, exciting female fighters. And uh, the, the one that I got to work with, uh, one of the fighters in, in Chevelle Holbach, she was an exciting fighter. She went in for the kill. You know, um, you know so, I, I mean, that's what you want to see. There's a lot of fighters, specifically, specifically out of the Northeast, um, that are uh, tough fighters that come to fight. Uh, you know, I, if you were trying to make a move towards you know, televising female uh, boxing, then they damn well better had had a, a much more exciting fight. And, and, and when you think about behind the scenes, look at the opponent they picked. Generally, Callie Reese was not known for letting her hands go. One of the biggest knocks on her is that she, she waits for that perfect opening and with two minutes around fighting 10-round fights max, you know, the, the opportunities are far and few in between. So it was like they picked a cautious fighter to begin with, Team uh, Babacus, you know, Cecilia Bracus. So, you know, thank God Callie Reese fought better than she normally does to make it a little bit exciting if, if you were looking at it. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, be the best thing I thought about that fight was how beautiful uh, – uh, Cecilia is that that was my biggest interest uh as far as the fighting itself no I you know I I, I found myself thinking of other things my mind wandering I just I, I couldn't pay attention I couldn't pay attention but uh anyway um one thing I want to talk about one last thing I want to talk about today uh apparently uh, it's more than just talk Mikey Garcia uh undefeated fighter 38 and 0 with uh, 30 of his wins coming by knockout, um, is uh, 
who's going to schedule to fight uh, Robert Easter Jr. Uh, at the end of July in, in L.A. is um, seriously, now a lot of this I thought was a rumor, but is seriously uh, discussing a promotional agreement with Dana White, who has uh, threatened us before that he's going to move into boxing. And not only are they discussing a promotional agreement with Mikey Garcia, they're negotiating terms. They're at the point where they're actually negotiating terms. So this is a, a, a big, uh, uh, this is a big, uh, uh, I think, move for Dana White. You know, he pick up a guy like Mikey Garcia. Now, I happen to like Mikey Garcia. I like everything about this kid. And uh, this would be a good fighter to sign uh, to get your feet wet in the sport of boxing. What's your thoughts, Sal? Well, just what you suggested. I mean, Dana White to come over to boxing, uh, you know, and to start promoting. Uh, it could be a whole catalyst. It could be a whole thing that might be good for boxing. Uh, I mean, surely we all know what he has as far as success with the UFC. And uh, signing a top fighter like Mikey Garcia, who's an undefeated uh, quality champ. He, I mean, he's he's, he's a great fighter. And uh, to have that as your 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 uh, ambassador uh, and your welcoming uh, to the sport of uh, promoting and world class boxing, I think is a great great attribute and one that uh, hey, if it does come to fruition, well, my hats off to both of them. Well, I think that uh, it would definitely uh, help. You know, to get have... a, get everyone's attention. I'll tell you that. And uh, yeah, I think it would help. Uh, I I don't know. You know if. Uh, you know, Mikey Garcia's got to look and, and question. You know, the 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 positive uh, benefits he's going to receive from a Dana White promotional contract. Uh, you know, I, you look at the top dogs out there today. You know, you, you still have King, you still have Aram, you have uh, main events, you have uh, uh, Golden Boy, certainly, and uh, you have a few other ones out there. Well, the main UK. Let let's let's be real. And uh, Don King is. He looked terrible, by the way. I, I, you know, he's aged very. I mean, I know he's eighty-six, but um, I, listen. In the U.S., we really only have um, Oscar De La Hoya uh, as a promoter. And you know, if you still want to call them promoters, even though by definition or not, the PBC. Um, you also have the the lower ones. Like you suggest, you know, Don King isn't even in the discussion anymore because he he hasn't put on his own event in a decade. Uh, but uh, you know, there are some smaller pro, uh, promoters around, but the big promoters are outside the U.S. It seems the U.S. needs a big promoter, and I've always said, and I've been saying it more often lately is Floyd Mayweather and Mayweather Promotions could be that promotional company that we need back in the U.S. Um, Golden Boy was, but they had Richard Schaefer. Since Richard Schaefer has left, Golden Boy Promotions has faded. The, the, the successful blueprint for a promotional company uh, to be big, okay? Number one, you got to be willing to spend money. You got a lot of small promoters in the U.S. right now Star boxing, banner promotions, I, I name because they team up with several fighters, Debella, etc. These guys don't open up their checkbooks. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, you'll see them do these cards here and there and stuff like that. But they're, they're, not, they're, they're, they're trying to create opponents for the big guys so that they can get their cut. That, that's the truth, okay? Uh, whether, whether you want to believe it or not, that's the truth. That's the business truth. These guys don't want to invest any money. So if you want to be a big promoter and you want to be successful – 
you got to have some money that you're willing to invest. Uh, Dana White obviously has money, okay? Floyd Mayweather obviously has money. Oscar De La Hoya had the money in the beginning. And if you have the money and you're willing to invest, the proper and most successful blueprint is simple. It, it sounds simple. Once you get past that spending the money part, it is simple. Because if you get yourself some, some quality veteran fighters, top names, that will help build your brand of your promoter, promotion company, and then concentrate on a good group of young, talented fighters that you build up while you have the name fighters as your headliners. Because remember, they're, they're a temporary thing. The, the name fighters, the Mikey Garcias, the Oscar De La Hoyas when he started, Floyd Mayweather, uh, you know, when he was doing Mayweather promotions, he himself... They knew that their days were numbered, but they were still big draws. So what you do is you, you sell those fights with the big name. And on the undercard, you have all these small fighters that you're building up. So that after a couple of years, now you have young fighters that are built up that have gotten name recognition. Danny Garcia is a perfect example. Danny Garcia was on, when he, was, when he went from uh, amateur to pro, he was on all these big cards, undercards. And, and, you know, got the exposure and the rest is history. That's what a successful promotional company blueprint is. Floyd Mayweather is in that position right now to do that. And for some reason, he doesn't pull the trigger. And I believe in Floyd's case, it's because Floyd still likes all the limelight. Now, Dana White, he likes limelight too, but he's not a fighter. So he might be the answer. Golden Boy? They seem to be, uh, you know, flopping like a fish out of water without Richard Schaefer. Then you go over to, uh, you know, other countries. Uh, you got great promoters that put on, uh, you know, a lot of shows. Yvonne Michel in Canada. Uh, Eddie Hearn, who's moving to the U.S. He's over in Europe. You know, those guys are successful. And they're going to be successful here too, Sal. And, and that's what we need. We need another really good top A-level United States-based promotion company and I fear that we really don't have one. Well, not today as uh, cumulatively as we uh, just mentioned a bunch of them right now. Golden Boy can regain and sustain a, a good level of promoting, I think. Uh, Eddie Hearn coming over here, forget about it. I think he'll, he'll, uh, he'll sign, he'll do what he has to do to be the best. Um, and surely he's uh, done done some real good things for boxing and promoting in the past. Uh, I, I think you do have also a great opportunity for Floyd Mayweather and Mayweather Promotions, and you have some others that are coming up. And I think that uh, you know, I think the Golden Ring is there for people that want to invest in the in the sport of boxing and into the fighters and then really promote. I think you've got a couple good people that can uh, really rise to the top and see what happens. I think that. You know, because the biggest you mentioned main events, um, Kathy Duvet does a good job. She's that 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 B tier. She's not an A tier, and she's not a C tier like uh, DeBella and Star and Bounder. She she's above them. But I think one of the most important uh, attributes a promotional company can have today is the willingness to work with other promoters. Bob Arum yes. and Top Rank are a very successful promotional company. But they're not so warm and fuzzy about working with other promoters. It's like they're trying to recreate what Dana White was successful at doing with the UFC. 
and have their own thing. In other words, more division in the sport. We got division with sanctioning bodies. We got division with promoters. We got division with fighters and teams and this and that. You need unity in boxing to make it work the way it should. So if there's a new promoter out there that has a lot of money, because you remember the old saying, if you want to make $10 million in the sport of boxing, you better start out with $25 million. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it's time for our trivia question. Now, the one that I've been asking, I'm not asking. I didn't get a winner. I'm not going to give <laughs> Are you. Are you kidding I'm, me? You didn't get a winner yet. No, that's a tough one. About that's, the one with the brother, with the brother in the same week, blah, 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 boom, boom. You still yeah, haven't got that's it? That's the one. And, Are you kidding me? Well, Let's Google it right now together, you and me. Do you have the answer? Every, every I have the answer, but I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna give everyone the answer. I I'm, want the answer. I'm, I'm gonna re I'm gonna reuse it. Um, okay. And, uh, and 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 we we will uh, we will get that. But uh, uh, here's uh, today's question. All right. What do, and and this is one that I've done already. So I've given this answer out at some point in the last 15 years. There's another um, huge question. Go ahead. Th- this is a tough one. It's a tough one. So if you're the first one to email me correctly, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, just like the one that uh, uh, Alex uses on our Blast from the Past segment, which this week, by the way, is uh, Charles Turner. We'll tell you all about uh, the Stockton Cyclone. But uh, uh, anyway, what do Ted Kid Lewis, David Shade, and Young Stribling all have in common? What do Ted Kid Lewis, David Shade, and Young Stribling all have in common? If you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talking. Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, you'll win the prize. Keep in mind, we only look at the emails. They have to be time stamped just in case two come in. The one that comes in first wins. So uh, I'm going to read it one more time. We're going to give Sal a chance to answer it correctly. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> what what does what do Ted Kid Lewis, Dave Shade, and Young Stribling all have in common? Email me if you know this answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. Sal, Rocky, Santa Cola, do you have an answer? I do. What is it? They may have all known Jack Dempsey. Wow. Wow. <laughs> do we have a winner? No, we don't. We don't have a winner. So the question is still available for everyone, and you know what it's not. They didn't all happen to know Jack. Dem- they may have all known him, but that's they not the answer. They may have all known him. Yeah, that's that's not the answer. So good luck to everybody on that. Uh, email me the correct answer. On this day in boxing history, May seventh in 1975, Miguel de Oliveira. Uh, I'm sorry, Miguel de Oliveira uh, went <laughs> de Oliveira. <laughs> I don't know that's why. I, I like I, it. It's Oliveira. I don't know why. Uh, I can't even read my own writing. Miguel de Oliveira. Wins a 15-round decision of a Jose Duran to win the uh, vacant uh, WBC and uh, vacant WBC World Junior Middleweight title. Took place in Monte Carlo on this day in 1994. Terry Norris wins a 12-round decision over Simon Brown to regain uh, the WBC World Junior Middleweight title. Took place in Vegas on this day in 1994. Julio Cesar Chavez wins an eight-round technical decision over Frankie Randall. To regain the WBC World Junior uh, welterweight title it took place in Vegas. Remember, 
That was the first time he lost against uh, Frankie Randall, the first fight. On this day in 2005, Diego Corrales knocks knocks out Jose Luis Castillo in the 10th round uh, to win the world lightweight title, and that took place in Las Vegas. What a fight that was, in case you guys didn't watch that one. Uh, On this day, May 7th, 1994, uh, Jesse James LaHeja wins a 12-round decision over Azuma Nelson uh, to win the WBC World Junior Lightweight title to place in Vegas. And on this day, May 7th, in 1937, not only one of my favorite fighters, but Rocky Marciano's favorite fighter in the world, Lou Ambers, wins a 15-round decision over Tony Canzanori to retain his world lightweight title, and that took place at the Madison Square Garden in New York City. Hey, boys and girls, that concludes our show for today. Remember, we're not doing a live show tomorrow, but we will be back better than ever on Wednesday. So make sure you tune in Wednesday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na